Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode, God, what number is it? Um, 234. It's a nice ring to that number, a nice carry through, if you will. It's just the two of us this week, it's just me and Henry, a.k.a. Mordak, and the, I'm sorry, I thought I'd come with something fun there, uh, Kraken Zero. Sorry, I thought it was going to be like the indomitable professor of Kraken Zero or something, I don't know where I was going with it. <laughs> Yeah, no, no Alex this week. He's showing a little under the weather. He'll be back next week, we hope. Um, Yeah, no. Just us this week. And uh, I got some stuff I want to talk about, so we're going to dive right in. Um, unless you moved onto a rock this week, Hitman 3 came out. Which I'm real happy about. It's more Hitman. It's the best Hitman of the three. This brings the uh, their world of assassination trilogy to an end they're also bringing all the previous hitman game stuff into this one i do it's weird that i hang on to this i loved how the first one came out so it was an episodic release of every couple months you got a new hitman level and i'm jazzed this is the full kind of yeah it's the entire game in one box whatever i really still to this day miss the episodic nature of that thing and thought it was just an unbelievably cool way to deliver a hitman game which is not knocking this game it's more hitman if you're not in on this franchise yet at this point in time, you're not going to be in. It's kind of a half stealth game, half beautiful, intricate clockwork puzzle game. All the yeah, yeah. that's the that's the real interesting thing about it because I mean th- things play out in a yeah. very sort of mathematical manner, and if you throw a wrench in that, it's kind of fun to see like how does that change everybody else's path. Well, and my whole thing back when I was doing and. Yeah, what the kind of games did a really good job of iterating is kind of how those little things you can trigger to kind of change people's paths or put them onto new loops. And my whole thing in this franchise was I'd set up these like intricate domino things where I'd often like stage how they were going to get murdered and then like tip the domino over just wait in the bathroom for like one of them would get killed instantly by some machination I put in place, and then it would be like, Okay, waiting, waiting waiting. Ah, you're here so I can drive you to the toilet. Congratulations, welcome to your death. <laughs> like, it, it, it would just be me, like, it would be me set the entire thing up, take a half hour setting everything up, and then, like, okay, the loop takes about 4 minutes and 33 seconds. It takes, him 20, it takes me 20 seconds to get from where I've kind of poisoned that drink with some rat poison to this bathroom. So, and go. Waiting, waiting. Oh god, I feel so sick. Ah, now for your toilet murder. It's gonna drown you out in the soil. I love drowning people in toilets in that game. It's my favorite kill in the game. I don't think there's a single boss in that game or a single target in that game I have not murdered with a toilet yet. It's my always like okay if I can kill someone with a toilet, it's always my first approach. Get in the toilet, nerd. I, kind of yeah, like but it's the animation behind it's the fact <laughs> the game like recognizes toilet takedown. I'm like yeah, yep. You understand the hilarity of this situation? Yeah, I. I've been kind of just messing around with the first two levels so far. I love the first one for the new game. It's this very Dubai, insanely tall, ridiculously opulent tower. They've This franchise has always done these impossible places unbelievably well, and just kind of the maze-like nature of them. This one has a fantastic verticality to it, where I've started playing around with that. Like It's just like, okay, what can I lob off this top balcony here that like I can long shot down and just like beam this guy from an impossible distance because it's kind of traveling at an angle down, it gets them still. It's it's always cool what you can do. Yeah, 
And this game's also full of great moments of NPCs, like, walking up to ledges and being like, Look how invincible I am! Nothing could kill me now! Press A to push person off ledge. <laughs> I'm top of the world! Shove! Yeah, I think I'm, the story-driven ones are really great. They've toned back how the story kind of little missions you can take inside of the missions have always done a great job of kind of familiarizing yourself with the levels, and I still think they're just kind of cool and fun. They're less immediately lethal. They now end like, okay, yeah, we've given you an opportunity to get here. Now figure it out from this point on. The first game had this problem where they often ended in like a very obvious, like, hey, here's how you kill with this scenario. This is more like, hi, you're in this dude's bedroom. He's left for five minutes. What you gonna do? And my favorite of that one so far was your Trump, your auditioning essentially to be a guy's bodyguard, and he takes you outside to a throwing range for knives. And there are four targets and six knives. And, like, he's like, it, you hit the targets. He goes, okay, cool, you're good. Like, we're good. You, it's like, I'm going to look over the edge now at the targets you just hit. Okay, cool, whatever. All his guards leave, and there's just four knives on the table. And I'm like, they didn't really just do this, did they? Pick up a knife, <laughs> threw it at him, hits the head, and goes over the edge. I'm like, yep, okay, they did this intentionally. Good game, good game. It's just me being like, why would you leave all these knives here, you idiot? There's... Four targets and six knives. I'm gonna murder you, then your guard over there with these knives. <laughs> oh yeah, and this is the franchise that has me going. Like, man, I keep finding all these useless ass guns. I need me some soda cans because that's where the real tactics lie. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like it's the game has made it boring to just like oh, gun with silencer. Meh, sleep, sleepy. Well, even boring. beyond that, like the cans are a one-hit knockout. Guns you have to actually aim with. Like the cans are like <laughs> these, these like stealth super target things you can lob at someone across the room to just conk their asses out cold. I love them. Like the game understands how hilarious it is, and well, they've done a really good job of. Uh, and this one is weird, not weird in a bad way, but like this, like all three games have now had a story. This is the one they brought that goddamn story and made it the actual focal point of the game. They're like, okay, we know you love our ridiculous gameplay. And I'm going, yeah, what if we made it impossible to miss the story now? I wouldn't hate that, I guess. And it's, yeah, yeah it, it's fine. And I'm looking forward to, I'm still trying to figure out the linking thing. That there's a way to bring all of the missions from the previous games into Hitman 3. And I know that sounds weird. But it's really cool because Hitman 3's made some modifications. Like, enemies can see through glass and doors and stuff like that. Like, they've gotten progressively mm -hmm. harder with each iteration. Like, the mirror tech has gotten better. Just some of the things that make it feel like Hitman have gotten better and better through the iterations of them. They've added to the challenge of it. Yeah, like, a lot of security rooms now have a glass door on them. Doesn't sound like much, but in most other video games, enemies wouldn't be able to see through the glass door. In Hitman, you're like, oh man, a glass door. Guess I gotta knock that guard outside now, too. Hope there's a hamper out there I can throw him in, because uh, there's only one in here. I can get two in that, I guess, but... Eh. Yeah, I'm unbelievably impressed with it so far. The linking your previous accounts, like, you can, in theory, carry your progression through the accounts. That has not been great. The jump from Steam to the Epic platform. No problems with Epic, but it has kind of put them in a weird situation of how do we give you credit for all your past stuff you unlocked and all purchases and stuff like that in the new one and that could be better i think like you have to basically download hitman 2 again to link your system up to transfer it over which 
in the grand scheme of things, is not the end of the world, but it's more annoying than I want it to be, if that makes any sense. But it's also partially yeah. driven by there was no IOI system previously to this game. They're like, oh, yeah, here's your account. And I'm like, cool. It still has some connectivity issues. The first one was plagued by the fact that, like, half the time you just wouldn't connect to the servers correctly to unlock stuff. This one, I had one issue so far, and it fixed itself as opposed to the game just going, guess you're not connected to the internet anymore. Oh, well. Yeah, it, it's Hitman. There's a little bit of jank in it. it. It's more so than Cyberpunk. I wish I had a better graphics card because these missions are just gorgeous and full of just the gaudiest, unnecessary, most amazing details possible. I, Yeah, from a like set-dressing standpoint, Hitman is one of, if not the best franchise of the last three iterations. Like, of these three that have come out lately, I cannot think of a game that's done a better job of like, hey, here's a place to be, and we've thought of almost everything. Yeah, and it helps that, like, most of your targets are these ridiculously high-profile, oh, yeah. you know, like, super-rich, powerful people, so they all are in these massive mansions in the middle of, like, beautiful, lush areas. Oh, yeah, they're, they're beautiful or... playhouses of murder. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I... But also, like, I, I think the second one and the first one both had really good slum levels, too, that, again, like, it's just... All the details yeah. you want are there, and it feels good to play in those, I guess. Like, it's a very... It, both ends of the spectrum feel like people live there in one way or another, and you hate the rich people for living there because they're like... You're like, man, which of these gold candles am I going to bash your brain to death with? I, I guess this one! Yeah, it's it, like the opulence is overflowing, the poverty is oppressive on both ends of the spectrum, and yeah. it just works in that regard. And you're just kind of this dude stuck in the middle that's like, yeah, I'm here to kill people. Hitman style. I, and the other cool thing is that they've done, they started doing it the second one, they've done it really well in the third one. People are aware of your previous jobs. Not that it was you, but like, the, the, um, so the security guard I pretended to be worked for a target I killed in the second game. And when you got, I like show up to hand in your papers, the guy goes, Oh shit, were you there the day that guy died? And your character goes, Yes. Yes, I was, and it was tragic, and I'm like, yeah, because I murdered him. <laughs> it's, it, that's the humor of the game, though, too. It's really tongue-in-cheek. It's Either you're in on this franchise or you're not. A bunch of people have been out there saying, like, is this the first, like, game of the year contender of 2021? Uh, yeah, it's it's the year that Hitman came out. I'm going to fight for this game no matter what because it's Hitman, and Kind of like how I occasionally talk about the idea of, okay, Mass Effect 3 is by itself is a bad game, but if it's the ending of the Mass Effect trilogy, you cannot deny that game being good. The fact that you can literally bring all the content from Hitman 1 and Hitman 2 into this game, it's like, okay, even if you don't like the maps in Hitman 2, you have all the amazing maps from 1, all the amazing maps from 2, and you're wrong about 3, the maps are great, but like, the opening level to Hitman 1 is still... Not 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 the boat, uh, Sapienza, I guess the first, like, real mission, I guess, not the training zone. The training zone's pretty goddamn cool, too, in its own way. I, Hitman 1 has some of my favorite missions in any video game ever made, period, kind of thing. Like, regardless of stealth game, like, for what it's trying to do, it has just, like, this unbelievably cool set of missions. And 2 also has some unbelievably cool environments. Like, the racetrack is just a neat idea... For an assassination spot. Like, like people hate on it because it's painfully hard. The militia camp from Hitman 1, I think, is one of the most inspired and weird and interesting 
levels that like when it came out you're like okay this is kind of a weird choice and like it's interesting and very different for this franchise in some ways and it's just aged unbelievably well like there's a certain like timeliness to it that it aged into and has like a weird kind of historical context to it now that you think about it in different ways and I went back and played it out of curiosity of how I felt about it now, and I'm like, this is still a really good map, and you think about it differently given how the kind of the world has changed since Hitman 1 came out, which is a weird thing to say, like, it's rare that a video, that real world events make me change how I go about doing well, hitmanning in a murder for hire simulator video game but it did make me kind of like, okay, I wonder if I can do this in this game now, if I could do this in this game previously and figure it out previously oh, yeah, I can, cool, awesome yeah, I, it's Hitman 3. You knew I was going to like it. Like, this shouldn't surprise anyone that I've been playing this. Like, I was talking to Alex this week, and he's like, yeah, so I saw Hitman 3 came out, so you're going to talk about that this week. And I'm like, yep, yep, I am. It's goddamn Hitman 3. But I also played something else that might be more up your alley, Henry. And that is? A hand with many fingers. I'm trying to think of how to describe this thing, but it's kind of hard to. So this is a small indie game, or yeah, it's like it's five bucks on itch.io and most other platforms. That's where I got it from, at least. It is a unraveling of a mystery through the CIA archives, complete with like pin and red string simulator aspects to it. <laughs> like that's what the majority of the game is. You're making that kind of like crazy thought map on a board, and it's based off of a real a real-world mystery kind of thing. So it start, I'm not very far into it, so I can't go like crazy in-depth. It's You're unraveling the mystery of a bank, essentially, and kind of all the people linked to it and the conspiracy behind it, and I'm having... I, I heard about this because I'm like, oh, this is kind of a weird little game. Like It's got a very Papers, Please vibe to it, I guess. Like It's definitely kind mm. of Papers, Please... Um, the, the, the Obradin game that came out a couple of years back, it's got kind of that thing going on, where it's a game of you're going through archives and pulling clippings out of boxes. Like You start off, you're just archiving data to kind of clean stuff up and seeing what's important, and you then start piecing together this conspiracy. And The map is like your room and the filing cabinets and the basement where all the boxes are and stuff like that. It's not a... Graphically, this game's not all that impressive. They use real photos for all the things you're putting together. I... As someone who's playing lots of Delta Green lately in tabletop, it's got kind of that thing going on with it, which is a hmm. weird thing to say. It's, it's, it's a conspiracy. Like, you're unraveling a conspiracy that really happened, and it's very strange, and I, I find it delightful, I guess. Like, it's, it's a weird kind of... As someone who's enjoying Hitman a lot, this is, like, the same idea of, like, what can I... Like, what links to this that causes this to happen kind of thing. It's, it's the same puzzle aspect i enjoy about hitman but from a totally different perspective and i'm having like fun's the wrong word because it's frustrating and well you're solving like a kind of shitty cia conspiracy from the cold war so like that's its whole own nightmare to itself but like i'm really enjoying it i guess i think it's really well done it's simple it's low kind of impact on a computer it's five bucks I, i'm i'm feeling like what i paid for out of it it's like yeah no i this feels good yeah, best. it seems interesting. Yeah. I'm 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 taking it out. I see it here on itch.io. Yeah, I it's any game like mystery games are rare. There's there's really not a lot of them. Like just thinking off the top of my head, like I I can think of hardly any games where you actually get to 
like really unravel a mystery where it's not just sort of handed to you through the narrative. Now, I'm not arguing that that's a bad thing. You know, games can you know lead you through a narrative. You know, that's how a lot of stories work. But it's it's rare for a game to truly force you to kind of unpeel the you know unpeel the layers and like make the connections yourself. I think that's that in itself sounds like sort of like a difficult task to do in a game where it doesn't just feel like completely disjointed, you know, that there's still cohesiveness to it. And also have it not just sort of lead you around and, you know, uh, lead you around and say, you do this and this next and this is... So that seems like an interesting sort of, you know, thing you have to kind of dance around and it's honestly kind of rare. So, yeah, sounds interesting. Yeah. No, it's it's neat. I think it's it definitely feels like if not fears feels like one of those kind of surprise hidden gems where the Oberdin did where it's like okay yeah like this isn't for everyone but like if you're into this style of thing you should definitely check it out. It's uh yeah don't play with a controller like I did initially that's a dumb idea. Play with mm-hmm. the mouse and keyboard that's the correct way of playing it. It's yeah it, it's five bucks. It's low risk if you're into kind of that style of thing you might get a kick out of it. It's yeah. No, I've enjoyed it. This is more kind of a ha, I was right moment from back when we were talking about um, Valhalla, but it's come out that it turns out that um, female Ivor from Assassin's Creed Valhalla was indeed the canonical one, which I think we talked about how I'm like, female Eivor is way cooler than male Eivor, and I'm not quite sure why. Like, It's because the game was actually written for her, specifically, I guess. Or like, hmm. she's considered the canonical one, and... I have found this out partially because the game has still yet to swap me over to male Avor mode in me playing that game and be some people basically kind of dug down into, okay, yeah, all of the supporting media around this game, it's always female Avor. And the story makes way more goddamn sense, actually, if you're female Avor. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it does, actually. Like, two or three characters, like, weird, unbridled hatred for you makes a weird amount more sense if you're female, because they're the sexist assholes, and not supposed to just, like, I'm jealous of your success! Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I actually saw that pop up, so, yeah. No, yeah that's, Interesting. That's been my life this week. Uh, not a ton going on. Uh, what's been happening with you, Henry? I... Yeah, I've been, I've been honestly kind of busy because of, like, the work that's coming up. And uh, next the new semester, so been getting ready for that. That's that's been a part of it. Um, I I'm not don't remember if I've actually mentioned this before, but yeah, I do teach, and I teach at a college. That's what I've done before, and I'm doing so again now at another college. And but in any case, I. So that's been taking up a lot of my time. But other than that, I have gotten around to playing some games. I'm still playing a bit of Awesome Knots in sort of its Twilight. There, There is a uh, a new game by Ronimo Games who uh, made that. Um, I have not picked it up yet. But uh, their their newest game is called Bright, uh, Blightbound. Sorry. Blightbound. And it's already in early access. And it's pretty cool. It's a three on. It's a much like 
Awesome Knots, it's you play three people on a team, but it's it's P ver, uh it's player versus enemy. It's PV, PVE. So you're playing kind of in uh it's side scrolling, so it's still like Awesome Knots, it's still side scrolling action game. 2D action game with uh, nice looking sprites. And you and it's a kind of a procedurally generated dungeon style of game. So mm-hmm. uh so there's loot to be had, so it's kind of a loot game like a Diablo-esque da- game, but it is expressly a team-based game and they've only recently the more recent versions you can have AI characters on your team. So in case you don't you'll find three people to be on your team, three other players, you can play with an AI player or two. So there are currently three roles that you can play as, but I really want to pick that up. I just haven't yet. I probably will soon. It is only in early access, though. So, But yeah, I'm still playing Awesome Knots and sort of it's Twilight. There is still a big, fairly big community around it. I mean, you can hop in pretty much at any time and find yeah. a game. Like, I've never been in a game where there was any bots. You know, other than when people kind of leave sometimes. But generally speaking, you're going to get in a game with all human players. We and... don't really talk about MOBAs much these days, but that thing seems to have had more legs than I thought it was. Or sticking power, I guess, more accurate. Yeah, uh, it just, I think it's really a shame that it never just hit it really huge. Because I think it's a million times superior than any other MOBA that's ever been created. Sure. Hands down. Simply because it doesn't have this, have the you know what I've complained about before: click to move, click to attack. I don't know if there's an easier way to summarize like yeah, that style it, of it control, feels like but of controls, I guess, phrase that I've always yeah. Used. It plays like a side-scrolling, like fighting game or like action game, and just that alone makes it for me way more fun and exciting and involved. It feels like I'm. It's just I don't know really feels like you're there. It feels really odd to play an action game with with a point point to attack and point to move. It make that control scheme to me only makes sense for like real time strategy. Like you know, your you know Warcraft three or yeah. whatever. But it makes and and I feel like that's the only reason why Diablo play works like that is because Diablo was just basically like Let's kind of use the same engine, but just make an action game. Well, yeah, and if, if the argument being that like MOBAs came from a Warcraft 3 mod is always why they've been in that view. But yeah, like, Smite had a different perspective. That epic one that was kind of terrible had a different perspective. Uh, yeah, it's... Yeah. But yeah, I think... But yeah, Awesome Knots is still around. You can still hop in and play it. It's free to play, so it's like, why not? And I think that's what kind of gave it legs in the end is the it was never that expensive to begin with but because it's free to play now it's everybody can play it so yeah. i think there's that's just kind of any of the player base that kind of you know left has kind of been at least partially replaced by people who are like hey this is just free to play and it doesn't have nearly the toxic community that that any of the other mobas have which there again Another, like, you know, awesome thing about it, like, are there some toxic people on there sometimes? Yes. Fucking nothing like League of Legends, though. 
not even yeah. at the height height of its sort of awesome knots popularity when they were running tournaments and stuff. It was never a community anything like other MOBAs. It was, it was always a lot better. A lot. And I think, I don't know. I, Almost like engaging uh, with the big popular thing because it's the big popular thing and you maybe don't like it causes problems. But other than that, I've been playing a game. I play, tried out a game called Distrust. I picked it up cheap on sale on good old games sometime back and I finally got around to really playing it. And With a name like that, what the fuck are you doing? It's it's pretty cool actually. It's it's very interesting. So it's a it has a isometric perspective game and it's part survival horror and it has procedurally generated levels and it has a has a feel that's definitely a lot of the thing, like John Carpenter's shots of this before. Yeah, no, this is kind of cool looking. And it's so the point of the game is you're just trying to survive and making your way through kind of level by level, procedurally generated levels. And just in each level, essentially, you're trying to look for a way to open the door to the next level. And you generally have to turn on a number of generators to do that. And all of the so there's a bunch of different houses with or kind of, well not necessarily houses but just buildings with different types of rooms, but and I really want to like this game and I think I'll give another another try if I can find other people to play it. Yeah, because playing it alone, trying to control multiple characters by yourself, that's that makes it really difficult and it makes everything take longer. And the game is running on multiple timers. So you have multiple things that you have to keep track of for each character, or else they'll fall into a fucking coma. And there's a sleep one, which is your energy meter. There's a food, and there's a food one. Or, you know, hunger thing, which you have to alleviate by food. And for food, it's like, you can find food, you can eat food raw, or it's better to cook it. You can find, like, coffee beans, and it's yeah. better to, you know, actually make coffee with them. But and but then, and really, you find a reasonable amount of food, I found. Just on the default setting, you'll find enough food, especially if you're using one of the characters that sort of doesn't need as much food, which there are a couple of those. So there are there are and so there is a large cast of characters you can play from, and all of them have different attributes and sort of advantages. And I think you know putting one of them in your party that is that uses less food that's something you want. But the thing that's infuriating is the energy thing. So to build back up your energy, you have to sleep. But the thing is, like. There are very fucking few rest places. And you see the couches and like chairs around, like like lounge chairs, and it's like why can't you sleep on the fucking couch or the fucking chair? You fucking prissy ass motherfucker. Like they had there has to be a goddamn actual bed for them to sleep. Multiple times I just fucking died because I couldn't find a goddamn bed in time. This Goldilocks motherfucker. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, there's, there's, there. I was like, how can you not, why can't, man, when I'm fucking tired, I'll collapse on the goddamn floor. 
I mean, what the what the actual fuck? No, they need an actual made bed with covers and fucking everything. I like, love the like. So I'm coming with the mental image of like your character walks into it's like, oh, I'm so tired, and there's a bed that's cut, like that's blankets are slightly askew, and they're like, nope, can't sleep there. I guess. Like, is it yeah, that level it, almost? Yeah, it, that's what it fucking feels like, and they uh. are the and that's the rarest thing to find is a room with a bed, like. M- like almost every like almost every major building will have you have to find ways to heat the place and that's usually with coal or wood or something like that there's a or the furnace in most places and then a electricity and you want both is the electricity will help to keep away the monsters who are all affect mostly affected by light they will not stick around with light so you have flashlights so you can flashlights will yeah. also keep them away or at least help to keep them away and if you have on the lights for a building, it will also, like, make the monsters go away, and it will actually even damage them. But, and you don't want to waste ammo. Like, and you don't want to really actually just fight them, because you don't really find that many weapons or ammo or anything like that. Those, that's that's super scarce, so the game is more running around. And so I guess with that in mind, like, is there an end to it, or is it kind of a survive as long as you can? I don't know gotcha. because I never got even close because my characters fell into a goddamn coma because I couldn't find a fucking bed. And if you can't find certain things like adrenaline, you can't wake them up from a coma. It's just that kind sucks. of like, well, I guess they're dead. Guess guess they're dead. Might as well not even bother dragging them around if I can't find a fucking adrenaline yeah. to wake their dumb ass up because they wouldn't sleep in a fucking couch. I mean, holy shit. They're I mean, I can maybe get that, okay, okay, I don't want to sleep in a, you know, a nice chair. And when I'm talking about chairs, I'm not talking about, like, metal chairs. I'm talking about, you know, big, you know, soft chairs. I mean, know, sure you pass chairs. out and drunk all the time, because that's what those chairs are for. Yeah, I know exactly the chair you're talking about. Yeah, you know, comfortable chairs. No, it's like, maybe you don't want to sleep in that. But then there's couches, like, nice couches. You won't sleep on a couch? You'd rather fall in a goddamn coma than sleep on a fucking couch. Man, dude, what what's had, wrong with you? We've had polar opposite experiences with sleeping in video games lately, because Hitman NPCs are happy to fall asleep on the most, like, barely legally a chair chairs ever. Oh, that sounds infuriating. Like, it's like, ah, there's all these things I could sleep on, including the dry floor. And no, nope, just the I'm fucking floor, coma. and the place is warmed. So it's not like the floor is going to be that cold oh, either. That's that's amazing, but terrible. Yeah, I, because not, they, they, yeah. there's there's these the furnaces. You generally turn them on if you go into most places because you do end up with plenty of wood and coal. Like that's also, you know, there's scarcity, but not that scarce. Yeah. But the other thing is, every a lot of things take time. So there's a little timer goes over your character's head while you're doing it. So to search like racks of you know, things for, you know, or a box to search a box, or to hack a box apart so you can use the wood for a fire. All these things take time. And that's where it starts to feel like spinning fucking plates, if you're if you're trying to play alone, and you're trying to control multiple characters. Now it's like, well, now I have to have this one doing this, and trying to split them up, and, and because it also helps sometimes to split them up to go into separate houses. So you can find all these switches you need to switch and find enough 
stuff, you know, you want people searching at the same time, not, you know, one than the other. And that's where it gets, that's what also got me is just, that was taking too much time. I just could not spin the plates fast enough to make sure that my time was being used appropriately. And really, but it also is, there's a danger in splitting up too, because you may get cornered by creatures or like, you know, fall into a fucking coma. And then the other character has a, hopefully has a adrenaline to help you out. You can also kind of end up with injuries that will drain your life slowly. And I most just love the fact that it's exhaustion to coma. No in between. It's just like, well, instead of sleeping, you have a coma now. Congratulations. Which I get like is technically possible, but like that's the weirdest escalation I've seen in the video game ever. Like unless that's part of the virus or something you're dealing with hypothetically, but that's Yeah, weird. it's it is weird. And so I I'm I think I'd be willing to give the game another chance, but I would need to do it like with more than one with another with somebody else playing. Yeah, it looks like there's a co-op mode for it. Oh yeah, there is, there is, but yeah, it's otherwise it is feels too much like spinning plates, and that's that's just kind of annoying. But also, god damn, sleep on the floor. It's even warm. It's like I have the fucking furnace going strong. The place is warm. Oh yeah, that is the other thing. There is like a cold, sort of a cold meter that goes up and down. But yeah. that's not too bad because yeah, it's also you're gonna find a lot, quite a bit of wood to be able to stoke a fire with. Like if you, and if you're moving at any speed at all, you're gonna end up with a bit of a surplus of wood. Food is more scarce than wood, definitely. Like so, you'll generally find enough wood and coal to light the uh light the furnaces and so every place so yeah perfectly warm place there's a rug on the floor you don't even have to sleep on the floor just just go to sleep sleep instead of slipping into a coma please holy shit that just seems so ridiculous and that's and and i get why they wanted kind of these multiple mechanics, and I think that is interesting, but don't make just one of them so fucking more scarce than the others that it's just like, that's, and to make that your big sort of deciding factor, it's like, it's not food, it's not, it's not cold, it's the fact that they're too fucking prissy to just sleep on a couch. And if I was to change anything on that game, that's what I would change. I'd make you able to sleep on couches and chairs, at least, you know, because that makes more sense than, no, that chair looks too uncomfortable, I guess I'll just coma. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really played too much more games than that, that's, and, oh yeah, I have been watching an, an anime, and I'm, and I'm kind of sad I'm starting to get to the end of it. It's uh, called Kino's Journey. I think I've mentioned it before. That's the uh, scooter one or the motorcycle one. Yeah, the motorcycle one with the talking motorcycle. Yeah, yeah I think I have mentioned it before. I'm still I'm making, making my way through that. It is from a light novel series, so it's like, I guess, suppose if I kind of want to, I can read the light novel series, and there's a lot of books in that. There's a lot, so... 
it would probably be helpful for me to try to like read my way through a novel. I think that would probably like in Japanese that is to help with my reading comprehension. Yeah, I was gonna say like I, I know you can speak it real like really well. You actually have, uh, can you read it really well too, or not really? I can I can read it relatively well. I think I would have, but I think I would have trouble getting through a novel. Sure, yeah, I mean, I have skill. I have books purely. I do have books purely in Japanese, and no, it's it, it's a more of a definitely more of a challenge. Like reading in Korean is fucking easy. It's like that, and that it, in that case, it's just I don't if I don't know a word, I can look it up pretty easily in a dictionary because Korean just has a syllabary and that's it. Doesn't use Chinese characters, mm. not really. But yeah, Japanese with its you know. Three different letter sets, I guess, technically, if you want to use that. Yeah, and the, phrase. And, the, and the phonetic ones are easy, but it's the, well, like, newspaper reading ability is around two, uh, a little over 2,000 Chinese characters yeah. of uh, kanji to know. Oh, yeah, and, like, what's the whole weird statistic that for, like, I think maybe even still to this day, like, the majority of people under a certain age actually can't read a Japanese newspaper because of yep. that or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. You you probably wouldn't be able to read sophisticated things in Japanese until you're probably middle school. To be honest, I mean it's just there's so fucking many Japanese like uh, kanji Chinese characters. But yeah, uh, so yeah, I'd like to read some of the light novels. I just and one thing I really like about the character, and this is something that's very purposeful. The character is uh, Enbi. Uh, non-binary, just and that's just presented in the most matter-of-fact way. Like it's not weirdly sort of fetishized. It just or, is, or made is sort of a oh that's weird. No, yeah. it's just like no, that's that's just it that's just, just the way they are. Yeah. That's just the way they are, and and it's just uh, and I like that. That's kind of like for me. That's 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 good representation. Yeah, it's just like. That's just the way Kino is. Kino is non-binary, and that's that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. But also, like I said, it's nice to have not have it not presented in a weird, and it can be ob- a weird fetishized way. You know, it's just like no, that's that's just the way they are. And people, you know, but you know, occasionally there is one or two characters that have talked about. Oh yeah, that's an attractive person, but it's just like, but it's not fetishized, and I and. I I like that. I actually enjoy that about the about the series. Yeah, that's I guess that's what I was yeah. what's I what I've been up to. Means it's time for news and we have news? A, yeah, news. <laughs> we have a <laughs> full <laughs> docket <laughs> of kind of normalish stuff this week for video game news. Like nothing it's been nice being on this kind of like it's just video games, kind of straightforward video game stuff and I guess building off of this uh, non-binary thing, we have a kind of weirdly good transition into our news topic. So it's come out in the last week or so that Mass Effect 2 was supposed to be a lot more, well, progressive than it wound being. I want it being, and yeah. you can cite, well, Fox News for getting in the way of this, which is shitty, but a lot mm-hmm. of stuff has come out that, like, the, the main character, Jack, who I think is one of the best characters in the entire Mass Effect franchise, one of the more problematic romance options as she currently stands, but also I think one of the cooler just in concept and design for what she is in that franchise. I'm a huge Jack fan, and she was initially supposed to be a pansexual, which 
means she was going to be mm. one of the options that overlapped with either gender of Shepard, which... And this is where it gets weird, because playing that game, the fact that she's only romanceable as a male character is completely canonically wrong, because she has references to, like, weirder or... Not weirder, but, like, less conventional sexual situations of her, like, experience. It's like, she's the way she is because she, like, just doesn't give a fuck about a lot of that stuff, so... Yep. Like, this... This all makes mm. a lot more sense in this case. It's like, yeah, of course this makes sense for Jack. Like, it was weird yep. you had it so locked in previously, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, all these sort of moral sort of bullshit. Yeah. And, and you know that, you know, part of that it also is to... You know, they for selling to certain countries that that kind of frown upon those sorts of things. Yeah. It's And it's so it's pandering to a very vocal minority and this is kind of building off of the back that I, we think of them as tame now but at the time mass effect 2's kind of three sex scenes you could get involved with which were all in hindsight pretty mild in the grand scheme of they're things. pretty tastefully yeah. done compared to, to shit, be perfectly like, honest yeah, compared to what we've gone on to now like the cyberpunks ones are just awkward the witcher ones are kind of a little bit like, okay, yeah, we get what the audience for this game is, and these were like, okay, yeah, these are like PG-13, light R-rated scenes that at least like... Yeah, not even R-rated, I wouldn't even say R-rated, definitely like PG-13, like, it's so tame, so incredibly tame, Yeah, but yeah, fuck it, I do remember like Fox News outlets, you know, and kind of conservative outlets, like, being outraged over, you know, a sex simulator game is like, did you even fucking, like, turn this game on and, like, look at it and play it once? I, I, I do stand by anyone who saved Caden uh, from that first game as a goddamn monster, and also if you romance Liara, you either had no options or are into some weird shit we don't want to talk about, but Liara's a terrible character in that game. You should throw her ass on an airlock. That's either here nor there. Yeah, so that this has been a whole thing that's been kind of making the way it's around the world, and as someone who cares way too goddamn much about Mass Effect and really likes Jack, I guess I found this kind of newsworthy. I guess and oh yeah, no, no, no. I think it's it's worth mentioning, yeah. especially since they there again they were kind of bullied into. And I think you know, the by, shitty by thing by... at the time was they like took the stance of no, we didn't do this. Like, like we didn't make any concessions for that. It sure as fuck sounds like they did, and that's man. yeah. I, I guess I can we'll keep it on this. Maybe the news is bad when it comes to video games. Let's talk about the New York Times real quick. All right. Fucking. All right. So I, I got wind of this because. All right. So I don't always regular, regularly read the New York Times. I do occasionally. Like, this is an editorial. So that that is the thing. Like, this is not their general reporting. But I, I only got wind of this because Kotaku did an article about it. Well, and let's take how... this real kind of low-level for those people that don't really have them up familiarity with newspapers for a quick sec. I'm not trying to be condescending, but like this is editorials are basically kind of opinions. Here's, yeah, they're opinion pieces. They are completely unfactually based. Like they kind of get held up occasionally with some weird reverence that maybe they don't deserve, but also that's eh, not for us to judge. All of this fucking podcast could arguably be viewed as an editorial, for the record. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but uh, oh, actually, like looking back at the article, it's not even presented as an editorial. Yeah. It's presented as fucking news. Yeah. And it, but but I think it should be an editorial. It should be on their opinion page. But yet it's not. It was on the front page of the newspaper, by the way. For that, for the week it appeared, it yeah, was on the front. No, I heard. Let's let's actually talk about what the article yeah. is now. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what to get going on this one, but yeah. So, in broad strokes, oh God, what's this guy's name? We looked it up a couple minutes ago. Um, Matt Ricktill. Matt Ricktill decided to write an article about how he felt that uh, his kids were playing a little bit too many video games during this whole pandemic thing, uh, and, and then went on to be like, if you're sad. Are you just gonna play video games to make yourself feel better? Or if you're angry, are you gonna like spend time playing video games? To make sure- it had this kind of ongoing theme of replacing other activities with video games to deal with mental health or boredom or a variety of other things. Which I, I guess, yeah, that's technically what a lot of people do, but it presents no alternatives to maybe what you should be doing instead or why this is the wrong approach to it like it has this real kind of fascinating bend where remember back when people were like you should read more books instead of tv it's like okay but you're reading the wrong books and all that stuff that kind of becomes this i'm just gonna go back to tv this is more like has the tone of i would rather my children watch nothing but real what housewives of new jersey 24 7 then play a video game because it gives an escapism. Yeah. So so essentially the the entire article is fear mongering about oh the kids are going to be destroyed because they're playing too many video games during a fucking pandemic. And you fucking tone deaf piece of shit asshole. And like it's not like they're playing. It's it's one of those things where it's like if a seven year old was turning to Hitman Three to deal with their emotional problems. Yes. Maybe that's a problem, but those aren't the games these kids were playing. They're playing fucking Roblox. Yeah, I, I mean, an inherently social, pseudo-creative game that, like, none of us play because we're old people that are into murder simulators and mystery games, but, like, have no beef with because, again, they're inherently social, kind of TikTok-adjacent for the young people. Yeah. No, 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 it's like, I, and, I, yeah, I've never played Roblox, but I'm familiar with it. I've watched people stream it before yeah. uh and it's just like yeah this is this seems like completely innocuous like of all the games to be bitching about like this one's real fucking innocuous yeah. but yeah it's it's like yeah it, oh god the, the yeah so the entire the entire art- article is grandstanding about how horrible specifically video games are. It does not talk about, uh, you know, TV or movies or no, no, it, it, it bitches about video games because of course it does. And, and, and we'd be talking about this in any context anyway. Like this is still kind of the dumb news. We and and this about. is, this is all right. So, and then I even, all right. So it goes to a pediatrician who I'm going to say is also hopelessly out of touch. Uh, they're like, I probably would have encouraged families to turn off Wi-Fi except during school hours so kids don't feel tempted every moment, day and night. So you're going to turn off their only way to interact with other children. And so you're missing the most important part. So a lot of the proof, a lot of the kind of argument or proof, whatever you want to call it, of this article is this guy being like, 
My son used to do sports and mountain bike and spend all his time doing outdoor stuff. And now he plays video games. This entire thing is written with this weird denial or refusal to remember the fact that there's a fucking pandemic going on right now. And yeah, this guy's writing from Boulder, Colorado, which I think it's Boulder, at least Colorado in general. Yeah, Boulder, Boulder, Colorado, which is not as hard hit as the place me and Henry live, but also... If you're being a responsible human being, you're probably limiting your amount of time you're spending outside. And, you know, I don't remember what it's like to be a 14-year-old, but I'm pretty sure if I tried mountain biking inside the house, my parents would have shot me. Yeah, I mean... And now, and like, I see one thing there. They're comparing it to, you know, people who smoke and drink at a bar. Because that's totally exactly like video games. Follow what the question. fuck is wrong with these people? And, and you know what? Right. So before we we started recording, I was like, "I'm before we actually I'm going to look up this author, but I bet it is an older generation X person. Yeah, I will we, we fucking guarantee up, yeah. you, it's not somebody under the age of fifty. And yep, fifty four years old. Yep, a fucking course, fucking out of touch ass motherfucker." I mean, and just like, so the entire article is just like talking about, oh, video games, video games are so horrible. And it's like, and then this weird sort of 1950s-esque statement like, what are you going to do when you're married and stressed? Tell your wife that you need to play Xbox? Yeah, you you could. Like, how is that? what I do. You, I mean, how is that, you know, less, how is that, you know, stranger than, you know, say, Watching TV or listening to the radio or you know or what are you know hitting a hitting a a a bike wheel with a stick whatever it is you Generation X motherfuckers yeah, like, do I think that's kind of what pisses us like at least us two off the most out of all of this is there's no alter like it's there's no solution presented there's no like you should be doing X instead it's it, it has the kind of ongoing vibe of. Why is baseball dying? Because baseball sucks. No, baseball's America. Baseball sucks. No, no, the kids just don't get baseball because baseball sucks. Like, it's the, we don't like baseball. No, you should care about baseball because I care about baseball. Why should I care about baseball? It's the slowest game in the world. It's got the, yep. it's, no one likes to play it at this point in time. Like, we like soccer. I don't like soccer. It's not American. Yeah, but soccer's easy to get into, cheap, and anyone can play it. There's no bat, there's no ball to lose, there's no, like, weird satanic diamond pattern to run around, there's not one kid out in the outfield picking his nose because no one in Little League I mean, can hit a ball that it's, fucking It's far. why there's still still a large, you know, you know, thing for basketball. Basketball's also, like, yeah. there's, I mean, yeah, it's like, you want to have a hoop, but, you know, and that, you know, that's a little more than you need for soccer. I mean, there's a reason why soccer is, like, Literally everywhere. Yeah, you just need a ball. That's literally it. You can mark off everything else yeah. like a goal area. Basketball doesn't require much more than that. Well, and the You're, rules it, are obvious. Like it's you dribble the ball and you shoot the ball in the hole. In soccer, you dribble the ball and shoot the whole ball in the net. Like hockey, the most complicated of these concepts is you take the puck from one side of the ice to the other and you put it in the net. Baseball's like okay, so you hit the ball and then you run. Yes, except well, that seems stupid. Why don't you always run? Well, because oh, there's a lot of arbitrary, it. weird bullshit, which makes it actually way more complex than 
cricket. Yeah. I, I and uh, as a person who occasionally watches cricket, like I, I I'm a fan of India's nas- national team. They're really good. Almost. I love days. cricket because ninety nine um, to zero was a close game still, and I find that baffling yeah. and amazing. Oh yeah, and uh, but yeah, it's yeah, but yeah, like back to the point. It's just like yeah, you know, during a you know reminder worldwide pandemic where you're being encouraged to stay inside and not socialize in conventional manners and you know not spend time around other people in situations you can't control or even in ones you can control yeah Yeah. and in this and this is what's weird is occasionally the article does like say that yeah they're you know they're they're are online with their friends a lot like roblox is a very popular one because it's kind of unstructured so it's you don't need to be a like super gamer. Like you're, we're not talking about where they're needing to gather on Call of Duty to play. No, they can play Roblox, which a lot of them are doing, and it's very unstructured. And you can just kind of hop in, and you don't need to be like you know super skilled gamer with elite skills. It's just you can just hop in and do a thing and mess around and you know talk with your friends like you used to, and you know and and feel. Almost like a bit of you know normalcy with your social life, but no, no, nope. Generation X and boomers, I guess, are saying nope. We're not going to allow that because we don't under- understand it. We're afraid of what we don't understand. So therefore, our kids, we're just going to cut off our kids' only social outlet that exists. That because that's fucking healthy. The fuck is wrong with these people? I mean, holy shit, you talk about the most out-of-touch, like, lacking any sort of empathy whatsoever, or, and just total, f- old man yells at cloud.jpg. Well, and, like, I mean, and, like, take it one step further. Like, we live in an era where people are like, ah, oh, I wish kids played outside, and then kids walking to the park gets the cops called on a parent. Or, like, think about the number of stories you've heard of people being like, Oh, my kid wanted to try X, but it's too dangerous. I'm not saying the kids do dangerous shit. Like, you shouldn't be playing football as a kid, for instance. But this guy cites, like, mountain biking. I don't know a lot of parents that would have actually been okay with a 14-year-old mountain biking, in hindsight. Oh, yeah, that's 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 mad dangerous. Yeah. And this is coming from somebody who's literally done base jumping. And I'm like, base jumping, sure. Mountain biking, man, that's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's yeah come on come on and if you're worried about them not getting enough exercise get them ring uh we fit get them the ring with yeah. their switch it's- like you, you game eyes because you know what yeah it, and they can I'm, I'm assuming there's some you can do that online is there a way you can do that sort of like with other people I don't. I don't know because I don't have Ring Fit. Ah, uh, no. It's um. I guess it's technically a party mode to it. If you think of it that way, you can trade okay. stuff off pretty easily. Okay, I was just yeah. wondering about that, but it's not designed for it. But like swapping the sensors around is pretty. But yeah, I'm just saying that. Like, yeah, the there are ways if you wanted to, you know, have your kids exercising and playing video games. You could do that too. But yeah, it's like, don't rip away kids only, and and I was like, you know, I mentioned earlier in the article where it's like, I would just turn off, if it's not during school hours, I would just turn your Wi-Fi off. Yes, 
And now you're, and then also it's also kind of finger wagging about kids using their mobile phones. Yeah, it's, it's like, got this kind of. So weird... you want to you want to cut your child completely off from their friends? What the fuck is wrong with you? Are you even human? Like, do you are you just sociopaths or what? That's that's what I really get from this article. This article is written by a fucking sociopath. With no understanding of social interactions or a kid's need, well, I think, I think it child's real fact yearning that, like, and need for social interaction. I think it was one step before the fact, like the, the kids with phones, things is a problem to a certain extent. But at the same sure. time, like I don't get TikTok. I think TikTok is stupid. But I'm never gonna take a kid's ability to like be fine with TikTok as long as they're being responsible and like not egregious about it. Like I, I think it's one of those ones where a lot of people imagined like, oh, if just like we could spend more time together. Things would be better, and hey, your teenage son hates you because he's a teenager. But no, I'm not like my parents. You are like your parents. You're a parent, and they're a 14 year old. 14 year olds are shitty people because they're 14 mm-hmm. year olds. Yep. So you know what? Let them interact with other 14 yeah. year olds. Like high schools are inherently problematic by their design, but also we lock teenagers together because the only people that can put up with teenagers are other teenagers, and high school teachers are like <laughs> gods that are like, I will wade into the cesspit that is teenage interaction. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and being as a person who's literally done that, yeah, it's it's not fucking easy. Um, yeah, behold I, I, the churn of horny and flighty hormones in people that's bodies are rapidly developing against their wills and a variety of other things getting turned on in their brains they've never had to think about before. Of course yeah. this is a nightmare. And and, admit, and amidst all that, let's cut off all of their sources of social interaction with others. And act like going outside isn't still kind of a bad idea, given everything going on. And yeah, I get it. Boulder, Colorado, more space, not Los Angeles, but also, we have the problem in Los Angeles, people are like, I'm going outside, fuck the rules. Oh god, half my family died of COVID. Yeah. We have a one so, in, like, I think it's like a, we have a one in three infection rate right there in Los Angeles. Like, it's the, I'm gonna go with the low number, because it's still, like, a horrifying number, like, every eight minutes someone dies of COVID in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, Don't let's... Tell me to go outside. Yeah, let's... Let's, you know what, actually, you know, you know, instead of, like, just shitting all over, you know, kids for playing Roblox, or, you know, complaining about them doing a thing, how about you provide, like, an answer, or, like, you know what, you could get your ass online and play Roblox with them as well, if you're really that concerned. Yeah. You know what, you know, it, it might be the case, they're like, oh, my super, you know, out-of-touch parents on here... But also, it might be, hey, my cool dad's on here. Like, and hey, hey, people, here's my dad. He's like, has dad jokes. And he's yeah. he's dumb and silly. Who knows how it plays out? A kid, a kid might be, actually, might get a kick out of that, of having their dad or mom doing dad and mom jokes on, you know, in Roblox or whatever they're choosing to play. It's like... You know, you could join your child instead of shunning them yeah. for doing a thing. And like I said, Ro- I keep talking about Roblox because it has it's so low low floor to get in, low yeah. skill floor to get in. Just it's you don't really you don't have to understand anything to play it to play around in it. It's the switch and... of online video games. Any drunk idiot can play it. Yeah. So yeah, you could do that instead of like. 
obsessing about how horrible the video game box is and this box is destroying humanity. It's and like, I think get a fucking this, grip. I think there's also this problem that I think it affects a lot of people, and we're going kind of way far afield at this point. Like, there's this idea I think people have that once the COVID situation is under control and it's fixed, for lack of a better phrase, things are just going to go back to exactly as they were previously. And the reality is they're just not. The world yeah. has suffered a monumental kind of world-altering event. It's not like a nuclear explosion or an earthquake that knocked over a major city, but a shit ton of people died from a pandemic. The last time this happened was the early 1900s, and it caused the world to change. Mm-hmm. This pandemic has arguably been worse because we have idiot factor involved, but... It, it, well, we had idiot factor involved in the last one, too. There's, there's even a name for the people who are anti-maskers. They called them mask slackers. Jesus. So th- that, that's 1920s talk for you. We should bring that and, back. That's a good one. But yeah, it, it, it's one of those ones where I've seen some stuff written lately and watched some stuff lately that kind of talks about the idea where they talk about the idea of Coachella, where mm. as like an adult who kind of lived through COVID and stuff, do you actually think, like, in the next five years, you'll ever feel totally comfortable going back to something like Coachella? And the answer for you personally may be yes, but at least in my case, I'm like, I have absolutely no fucking clue, actually. Like, yeah. it's a very, it's the, it's open air, yeah, it's outside, but also being around that many people breathing on each other is maybe not a thing we should ever bring back. And, like, in, in a more kind of micro scale, Con plague has always been a thing, as far as I've been alive, mm. kind of thing. Like, oh yeah, y- you go to a convention during certain parts of the year, and you see people sick, and there's a very real chance you get sick. If you're a vendor, you are going to get sick. You're gonna be mainlining emergency and like all the stuff you can to stop that from happening. But people are sick at conventions. That's a far less kind of grandiose scale kind of thing. And mm-hmm. maybe we should have been looking at that sooner. Like, there's a lot of stuff that just I think about and look at it and go. I don't think that should come back, actually. If it does come back, we should fundamentally maybe change how we think about, like, capacities for some of these things, or spaces. Yes. Or, like, we've had mm-hmm. a long emphasis on can we cram as many seats into a space as possible? And I get it. More se- more butts in seats equals more money, but also we've learned maybe that's actually a bad thing. Like, would people pay a little bit more money to not have to share an armrest with two people they don't fucking know? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, and I think that is interesting, you know, moving forward, and it is a thought, you know, for, you know, in the gaming space, for conventions, and for tournaments, and often there are tournaments at conventions too, but also tournaments that just sit on there, that just exist, yeah. as, you know, for esports and such. And I've read some that, stuff that kind of goes to the idea that a bad fighting, a bad online code in fighting games, from kind of this point in history on should be viewed as unex- inexcusable at this point. Like, mm-hmm. doesn't have to be the best code out there, but, like, it needs to at least be good because if we've learned anything this year, bad online code, regardless of what you're doing with it, is a problem. Like, the- yeah. Sign to progress in that category. You've, you've seen a bunch of stuff live and die by its netcode this year. Like, Among Us is not an amazing game, but it's fucking solid to play, and anyone can play it, and it doesn't crash that much. I still can't believe this fucking article was on the front page of the New York Times. Maybe things are slow. I mean, all of for a the, for all right, so for those of you who don't know what the New York Times is, 
it is considered around the country a pretty big deal of a newspaper. It's a local newspaper to New York, but it also can like does a lot of national articles and has a wide publication which is well known in the US, that is. In the world. So, like it's got its footprint all over the world. Yeah, yeah, I'd say I'd say to a certain extent, but yeah, the but if you're from another country, you may not be familiar with it. But that's why I make that's why it's such a big deal, why we're talking about it, because it has such a far reach, you know, across minimally across our nation, across the USA, but also a certain amount of renown around the world. So yeah, for them to have a moral panic about video games during a pandemic is just fucking stupid. I can't believe it was on the front page and presented as if it's news. That's not fucking news. That belongs in the goddamn opinion column. It should be an editorial. Yeah. But anyways, let's move on. Yeah, on to kind of more, less yeah. divisive stuff. Uh, let's talk about Resident Evil 8 for a real second, because there's some mm. stuff going on with that. So we got this beautiful Looks look. cool. Yeah, we got this fantastic look what the next Resident Evil is going to be. Resident Evil 8, Resident Evil Village, whatever the hell you're calling it. I think we're supposed to call it Village, but mm-hmm. it it's channeling them strong Resident Evil 4 vibes. There's a, like, 12-foot-tall pale vampire lady in it on multiple occasions, which people kept saying gigantic vampire lady. I'm like, okay, whatever. And I saw it, I'm like, oh, shit, she had to Ooh, duck shit. under that door frame. Oh, yeah. Uh, somebody got around to trying to size it more or less, and they at minimally eight foot tall. Yeah, minimally eight foot tall, but like just sized proportionally like, correct though. I'm like, that's a cool yeah, proportionally enemy. sized eight foot tall woman. Yeah, but more importantly than all of that, there's a PS5 demo out right now. You can go play. But more importantly than that, though, even is that. Resident Evil Village is out for old and new consoles and PC and all that stuff May 7th. It's a coming. Not surprising anyone. It looks good. I highly recommend going and checking out the showcase. It's it's cool. Yeah. Kotaku or sorry, Capcom has actually done a I'd say a pretty darn good job of with the Resident Evil as a franchise. Not every single Resident Evil game has been just like, you know, an absolute hit, but many of them have been very good. I think the reinvention of it, like, I Mm -hmm. I think 7 was a turning point, because 5 and Mm -hmm. 6, like, 5, if you play co-op, is fine. 6... 6 was good. Parts of 6 are good. The Chris Redfield story of that is bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that that's but, the Gears of War was, uh, with Resident Evil bullshit at that point, which I like, I don't hate Six, but I understand that for people, Six is a sad departure. But like the remake stuff has been really good. I think Nemesis was a bit of a stumble, but Seven for the like hardcore fans of that franchise, they were like, "Fuck yeah, this is a video game ass video game." I am into, and I was happy for them. I'm yeah. still too much of a scaredy cat to play that game all the way through or ever in VR because I don't want nightmares, mm. but. <laughs> I like four a lot. Uh, Jeff, formerly on this podcast, likes four a lot, and this is giving me some strong four vibes. I guess like a merchant is back called like the Duke. That's a great name for a merchant. Mm, yeah, yeah. It, 
it seems that they're like, okay, we're going to give you what you want, which are these kind of less traditional zombie-focused things, but still kind of channeling that claustrophobic in a house, in a kind of unknown environment thing. I, I think the first-person mode's working real well for this game, too. It worked mm. well for the last one. I, I'm i excited. Yeah. The future of Resident Evil looks bright all of a sudden, which I'm not sure I'd have said coming off of 6. I'd be like, okay, maybe you should stop making these. And they made and 7. They seven kind great. of did, in a certain sense. Yeah. They, they, they breathed new life into the franchise in a very good way. So... I, I and and it's kind of nice that it was actually successful, and because it was just good, they 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 reached back into the roots of it being survival horror instead of like more action oriented. But not to say that action doesn't have a place in the game; it always has. Yeah, they've kind of like found a way to blend that like more modern sensibility action with. Mm-hmm. What made Resident Evil Resident Evil? I think it works. The evolution of Seven, I think, is one of the most interesting. Like again, not the biggest fan of that game because I'm not the biggest horror fan, but like what that game did to a franchise, you have to respect. I think we talked about that back in our kind of Game of the Year deliberations around that time. Because again, not the biggest RE fan, but hey, that thing's real cool. But more importantly, because it's a little bit sooner, Resident Evil's coming the division. It's going to be a crossover, I guess, more accurately. A bunch of items from Resident Evil are coming to the Division, a.k.a. you all can now play as Hunk, so congratulations. As we already knew this. This is going to sound weird. I'm kind of surprised no one thought of just making this game already. Like, open world, survival horror, similar to the Division style thing. But kind of drilled down, like that that co-op kind of high-action looter-shooter thing in the zombie post-apocalypse. Seems like a logical choice at this point. Yeah, just, but, you know, don't do not do something like Metal Gear Survive. Yeah, just don't do that period, though, but that's, like, just a weird... Sure. We're in our cyberpunk like... coverage of the day. Maybe I'm just kind of getting prophetic in how I talk about these newses, but... Uh, Cyberpunk has its second class action lawsuit leveled against it. Surprising no one at this point, kind of. Yep. So, in this case, this one is... uh, uh, So, this is another U.S.-based group of investors. So, this is is just a separate class action lawsuit for another group of investors. I think they joined the first one, but... Yep. uh, they're, They're facing a lot of you know, trouble for this, and you know what? Well, they kind of earned it. So it's weird. Like I no feel one. bad when the fans are upset about a video game, but when a investment group is mad about a video game not performing well, I think a video game should perform well. Period. But I, I have a little bit less sympathy in this instance. Where, oh, did you bet a bunch of money on a game that didn't turn out well? We're sorry. Yeah. I just want the game to be fun to play. Yep. Yeah. And maybe claim that your interference by pumping money into this thing it maybe shouldn't have had because it caused problems is part of why this game has a weird legacy to it. I'm not going to say that out loud, but... But on that same vein, we uh we got our first kind of, quote, big major Cyberpunk 2077 update. I actually have not checked this thing out yet. I've been kind of waiting for the dust to settle on this because, of course, I was. But it... Fixed some stuff and brought in a new game breaking 
break. So, yeah. Well done. Way to, no re- way to re-break your game with the first major update. I mean, is Cyberpunk 2077 going to turn into our new uh, Fallout 76? Is the 77 a kind of telling that it's one after 76? Maybe. I <laughs> I will always defend Cyberpunk a little bit because I at least have fun playing it. Fallout 76 just looks miserable to play at this point, but... People are playing it, so fuck it, what do I know? Moving on from that, though. Let's talk about Opera for a second. Uh, You may know them as people that make a not-Chrome Internet Explorer or Safari version of ways to access the Internet and, you know, browse around that maybe you should be using because, well, them and Firefox and a variety of other companies out there are trying to not read through your emails as you read them because they're not kind of snooping around that way. They bought a game company, or game studio. They bought Yo-Yo Studio, which, you know what the hell they make? Game Maker. So, yeah, that's big. That's, yeah, that's pretty fucking huge. So, there's still a lot of popular games. It's a lot of indie games, I'd say, usually made on Game Maker Studio. But that's a pretty big acquisition. That's a, that's a huge leap. And it wasn't... It wasn't at first obvious, like it was kind of like secret buyer, but it has since been made public that it was indeed Opera that bought out uh, Yo-Yo Games. So this was a sale from another company that had bought Yo-Yo Games previously called Playtech. So Playtech is more known for like online gambling software, apparently. I don't know anything about them, really. I don't know a lot about them. And as but, part of this, we now have Opera Gaming officially announced, the gaming division of Opera, so that's a thing. I'm kind of interested in what they're going to... Are they just going to use maybe Game Maker to create games? Could be. Maybe, like, browser-based games, possibly? That's what I'm thinking, like, you know, that are kind of optimized for Opera. So basically but, Stadia, but not Stadia? Yeah. Maybe I, I'm I'm just kind of throwing out guesses here. It's complete possible, speculation. I yeah, I, complete speculation. But yeah, if Google buys a company, you kind of get it. Opera they make one thing or kind of one general thing, and the expansion to this is interesting. I guess. I, yeah, and they bought a game engine. Yeah, which that's that's like, huh? Hmm. You know Opera <laughs> better than I do. What's Opera's whole philosophy at the, these days? I. They kind of doing the Firefox it's, thing where it's like we're just a fucking browser company. Stop trying to make us into something we're not. Yeah, generally speaking, and their focus is usually around just stability, sure, rather than like having like a bunch of like what you're kind of getting at. Rather than having a lot of different things that it's capable of doing, like oh yeah, it has it's also it's supposed to be more lightweight, yeah. and secure. It's like that's what it's. That's what its kind of focus is, is like being a light, lighter weight, which Chrome used to be, and then it then it wasn't. <laughs> then it was way more... It's almost like adding the ability to mod the fuck out of that thing through a bunch of questionable apps occasionally was a problem. Yeah. And so, yeah, they've kind of stuck just to, we want a a more kind of secure and lightweight browser, and that's kind of what they've stuck with. And more, you know, kind of pared down. 
But yeah, I, I used their mobile version for a while because it was like, it's like, do you just want a browser? And I'm like, yeah, I do just want a browser. I don't need to do a billion things. You got incognito mode? Yeah, fuck it, we're cool. So it's it's pretty fast too. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a it's a company also based in Norway specifically. But yeah, that's it's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm really kind of yeah. I'm like, well, now they have a game engine. Are they could just make games using their game engine? Yeah. Which, at this point, it's pretty powerful what you can do with Game Maker. You can do some very surprisingly sophisticated things with the engine. But I, it's cool because the engine itself. All right, so I'll say this to you, any kind of people, anybody wanting to get into game development, Game Maker is possibly the easiest easiest way to get into it. I think I've used Game if Maker it, even. You don't need to know programming at all. Like, you don't really have to, or, or like, have to know sophisticated sort of 3D modeling and animation and kind of ideas like that, which you need for for... Unreal Engine or Unity, like there's a way lower skill, uh, a skill floor for Game Maker Studio versus the other game engines, and there's a then, but yeah, also pretty high in that you could make some very sophisticated things in Game Maker Studio. So yeah, yeah, and with the sale, I don't expect anything to change. Like especially with sort of the way Opera is run. I don't expect them to like do something kind of, I don't know, uh, ridiculous or stupid with Game Maker Studio. They're just gonna like keep it going because they want to make games themselves. So yeah, but in any case, <laughs> I think that's in- cool news. Actually, I'd rather yeah. Game Maker Studio actually be owned by Opera than by like a kind of skeezy gambling company. Yeah. Oh, it's. We'll see where it goes, I guess, from here. It could be something. Ah, speaking of skeezy gambling companies, let's talk about Activision <laughs> for a second. <laughs> Alright, so uh, I guess it's more Blizzard than anything else, but uh, so Vicarious Visions, a studio that's a big, that's quite popular in the Destiny world, actually, because they made some, they did a bunch of work on Destiny 2 at certain points in time. They also Ooh. brought us the Tony Hawk 1 and 2 remaster, whatever you want to call that, the remake thing that was really popular and did really well. Most people were really happy with it. Mm-hmm. They're being merged with Blizzard, which not actively the weirdest thing, but if you already own the studio, I don't quite get why you would choose to merge the studio with another studio necessarily, unless you're trying to kind of consolidate all your stuff into just one label, which is a thing we've talked about for a couple of years on this podcast well, of how it's trending. I'm, uh, I think you're missing the kind of thing that I'm looking at the, about the size of Vicarious Vision, which yeah. is about 200 people. Remember, there's been a mass exodus yeah. of people away from Blizzard. We're just going to get to that, this, actually. Yeah, like it's the, is it possible Vicarious Visions is actually maybe bigger than than Blizzard in some ways at this point? Uh, no, no, not necessarily. But, yeah. There's a lot more people that work for Blizzard. I'm saying that's a that's a pretty good number to just shore up the fact that Blizzard has had a mass exodus yeah. of people, including kind of important leaders, you know, sort of lead developers and stuff away. And sounds like they're to me they are just shoring up Blizzard because 
Like, they're like, well, get, Vicarious Vision only does these really kind of, you know, very specific, you know, kind of boutique things. We're just going to roll them because we've been losing people out of out of Blizzard and we aren't getting them back. Yeah. <laughs> no, and they, they've done some cool stuff. Like, they've, they've worked on some cool yeah, things. Like, yeah. the biggest things they did were the Destiny stuff and the uh, Tony Hawk stuff, admittedly, but they were good games. Were really solid yeah. games, and as part of this, Vicarious Visions is now quote solely focused on Blizzard stuff because they're part of Blizzard. So, eh, so long, Vicarious Visions. Yep, maybe Bungie's it's... hiring right now. Could work for them. Yeah, that's that's you know we. I wonder if there's going to be a bit of an exodus from Vicarious Visions because I would of fucking that. Love to see that. I, like the general consensus in the Destiny community is like, what if Bungie just tried to buy Vicarious Visions? Like. Could they do that? And the answer is, who the fuck knows? But man, would have been cool if they did that because Vicarious Visions did some really good work for Destiny. Like, yeah, people were really happy with that with that part of that, that what they did for it kind of thing. And yeah, it, this just seems sucky, especially after the Tony Hawk thing. Like you have this one studio fuck up the Tony Hawk franchise, and you have this other studio go, "Nah, we can make this good," and then they did. Yep. But yeah, I I see it absolutely as them tr- attempting to replace the mass exodus with yeah. instead of hiring new people, they want to bring in seasoned developers to to take the place of the seasoned developers that left. Yeah, that's I'm gonna say that's 100 percent the reason for this. They were looking around at the companies that they already own, and they're like, hmm, how can we just kind of immediately replace the numbers that we lost in Blizzard. Oh, here's this one little boutique studio that we can just roll it, roll right in. Yeah. They are now, for all purposes, Blizzard Albany, so if that's when you're feeling yep. sad and want to feel sadder. Ah, where to go from here? Oh, let's talk about something I found unbelievably fun and maybe don't care about in the long range of things. Hinobu um, Sakaguchi? Hironobu uh, Sakaguchi. The creator of Final Fantasy unveil uh, unveils Phantasm or Fantasian. Fantasian, yes. Yeah, sorry, that's a weird one for me to pronounce. With a goddamn diorama. I don't care what game you're making. If you want to show me a diorama to unveil your video game, you have my attention. It looks real cool. It's a cool I diorama. Mean, it's, yeah. It's yeah. It's. They all like sculpted. Looks like clay. Uh, looks like a certain amount of clay was yeah. made to make this, and that's kind of awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they've shown some other shots of the diorama. And the stop uh, and talk about how cool this diorama is. Like, it, it's a cool diorama, but it's actually a video game here. So, it's work on a game for three years. It's hitting Apple Arcade soon, sometime this year. So that's pretty cool. An RPG that takes place in a unique world of handcraft of a handcrafted diorama. So it's not just this diorama is cool. It's this is canon. You might get to play this diorama. Yeah, diorama. and they've kind of and they've also kind of thrown in some shots of the game in development. And it looks like they've used the diorama to kind of backgrounds at least. Yeah, yeah, for backgrounds for it, which that's kind of cool. It would be all. It would be really cool if that's what they went with. Ultimately, yeah. is like, like just all the game 
backgrounds are all actually sculpted. Yeah, that well, would be a, that would be rad. And it, it's, they're not going to do that. But it's totally impractical. Imagine if you had a game where like they went back to that kind of okay, you have fixed camera angles, but those fixed camera angles were taken from like shots tracking through a diorama or something, and they like had paper craft or like the traditional two D kind of like. Like the Bravely Default looking sprites or something like that, that were kind of walking through that. That would be like, probably not a game I'd play, but I would appreciate the hell out of that game's art direction at that point, come game of the year time. Like, this seems weird and cool in a way that like the 90s were doing intros or animated stuff, where it's like, what, how do we do this? What if we just made this real and then put it through a rotoscoping process and made it into a cartoon? Oh, we could totally do that. Yeah, there's something neat about this, I guess, in my view. Yeah, that would be. I would, and there is a technology that today, especially to do such a thing, yeah. to where you can have actually a three sixty degree, have the whole thing spin around and look right from many different angles. Yeah. But that'd be it'd be difficult to do. But well, like if the game leaned into, hey, you're playing this like museum exhibit thing, like it's like your character hop instead of walked or something. I don't know. Like there's a bunch of cool things you could do with it. I would just be like, yeah, like. I played games where you're obviously playing like a kid's fantasy through the game, and I thought that was kind of a neat presentation of that. Why can't they do something like this? That'd be really cool. Like, yeah. present this as like an exhibit in a museum or something, and you're a curator, and the narrator's a curator walking around explaining what happened, and, and you're playing out like that thing as it's going on in front of like a group of kids or something. I don't know. That, that's a cool idea for a game in my book. Well, though, it looks like the plan is it is exactly that. Yeah. So that's why they, I said it. Yeah, that's me just being hypothetical. Like I haven't played this, so I have no idea what the fuck it is. But at the same time, like I think this is what that is. Yeah, and yeah, it says yeah. Essentially, like Sakaguchi said, yeah, they are creating gaming worlds by hand. They are building dioramas, photographing them, and then adding three D characters. That's so, so cool. That is a, apparently what they are actually planning on yeah. doing, and. That is so super cool. Uh, and I'm who really excited in, about yeah, that. As someone who used to work in that world, I guess, like the whole, the mini cities to make crazy scenes, like it was completely impractical, and I get why we didn't do it, but oh, goddamn, was it cool! Yeah. I was terrible at it, but like, hey, it's a scale model of a town. That's neat. Drive this tiny remote control car through it. That's dumb and awesome. Like, I never want to be a train person, but the people that have those like crazy intricate train things in their basements, props to you. I'm super envious. You have the time and dedication focused to do that, and also don't need the sun that often. But at the same time, <laughs> like I appreciate the hell out of your work. Like I, I think there's that museum. I think it's Britain or something that has like it's just multiple floors of one giant interconnected, like scale train yard thing. It's got a bunch of weird Easter eggs and bullshit, and it just it's the entire museum is technically one interconnected, fully automated train thing. And I saw it once, I'm like, this is super cool! Oh god, is this train people bullshit? <laughs> Nothing but respect for train people, but also your train people. I play tabletop games. You can make fun of me for that if I make people train stuff. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where to go from there that we made fun of? We our train people audience. Uh, let's talk about Puzzle Quest real quick. I could say a sentence I never thought I was going to say ever again, or ever in my life. Puzzle Quest 3 is coming from 505 Games. I, 
It's we have to explain to Puzzle Quest? <laughs> yeah, probably. Alright, so... Way back in the... 80s and the 90s, there were these Puzzle Fighter games where... That was mostly a 90s thing, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Where you played kind of opposing Tetris, for lack of a better sentence, and that caused shit to happen. It was kind of like a fighting game via Tetris, and we all thought that was cool. And of those things, the best one was Puzzle Quest, or one of the best ones, at least, was Puzzle Quest. And then they made a sequel, and the sequel was also really good. And that was in 2007, and we haven't heard anything since then about there being a Puzzle Quest 3. Many shitty and sometimes kind of cool kind of clones or reimaginings of the concept have existed, but they weren't Puzzle Quest. Yep, uh, say the Sega, the short-lived Sega, uh, Sega, well, I don't even remember the name of it now, because it was so shitty, puzzle I played it, it, was, it, was, it was basically Puzzle Quest, because the way you would play it is, yeah, you'd, you'd have to make match rows to attack the other enemy, attack the enemy with, with Sega characters, I think, Sega heroes, yeah. yes. And that one was incredibly shitty, and uh, also as I uh, as when I reviewed it, extremely predatory. So I'm hoping that Puzzle Quest Three is not being. We know that it's going to be free to play, but hopefully it's not a super predatory free to play game. Story with all that going on, and then mm-hmm. instead of random fights, you had puzzle battles, and that was cool. And this one appears to be bringing a. 3D world for you to interesting concept, I guess. Uh, hmm. It's Puzzle Quest. I'll probably play it. Puzzle Quest. Hope it comes and to my it's phone. free. Yeah. Hopefully it don't suck. Did 505 make the last one? I don't know. Yeah. Puzzle Quests over the years. I Kind of spin-offs and stuff, so. Reimagining of it, yeah. But yeah, I... I and I, I like puzzle games. I'm a yeah. person that actually like enjoys a lot of like I play Tetris, Puyo Puyo, Puyo Puyo Tetris, which is a thing now. A weird, weird thing. A full circle thing at that point. It was just weird because it's two very different type of blockbuster games or block destroyer games. Blockbuster but. sounds right. It's it's wrong, but it's right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of kind of somewhat weird games like this coming full circle, though, let's talk about Auto Chess and the mm. fact that a game that was designed as a mod for a game that was technically a mod for a, uh, for a multiplayer game for an RTS is now taking a step back and becoming a MOBA again? Which is real weird. All right, so let's, let's let's actually talk about this. How much we gave this thing its due back when it first came on. So, Auto Chess is a game that was created that's basically... Would you call it a deck builder game, technically? It's got that same vibe to it. You're assembling a team of combatants, and you kind of have various grids you face off against other players, and you have a life pool thing that you kind of subtract from, and as each round you buy more creatures or upgrade the creatures, kind of, as the system allows. And... It took and off, they, and they yeah. and they automatically fight. Yeah. Like you don't have to direct, you don't directly control the each of the characters that are going out. It's you just kind of yeah. It's almost an idle clicker in some ways. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of aware of them. Like it's it's not quite idle enough for me to be like fuck yeah auto chess, but 
it came out of nowhere. It was a huge thing. It inspired some clones. Like it's it's its own genre kind of at this point. They're called auto battlers, I think. But so now and the initial the original auto battle chess or auto chess was made using Dota two characters. That has since changed because they kind of split off and doing their own thing. Like you may remember Dota made its own auto chess mode at one point because mm-hmm. hey, this was the thing they wanted to control. So now we're going backwards and we're now getting a MOBA based off a game that used to be a MOBA. I, I think Henry put it best in his notes on this one. Apparently the spectrum of games that come from RTSs is just a goddamn Mobius strip. <laughs> it's impossible geometry, goddammit. That twists forever inside of itself. Wait, did we just establish that MOBAs are the Lovecraftian eldritch horror of video game genres? Yeah, it's a MOBA strip. I hate that so much, but it's probably gonna be our fucking show title. <laughs> even when Henry's or even when Alex is in here, we still have to deal with puns. Thank God. Ugh. Moving on from that, want to talk about Dead by Daylight real quick? Sure. So I didn't even know this was a thing, but apparently for a long time in that community, there's been a very sensible request for some colorblind boats and some kind of accessibility options that I learned this from kind of the controversy that happened this week, but they've been a little lax, cagey, non-committal, didn't do jack shit with these requests about implementing. And a kind of weird chain of events happened this week. Um, Okay, so the problem is, there's a lot of use of, like, for example, red and green in the game to differentiate with, like, red is what your normal health bar looks like, but it can also turn green if you have a status effect. Well, if you happen to have that specific type of colorblindness, you, there's, it's not gonna, it's gonna be far less obvious that something's gone wrong. That can also happen on things like if you're trying to start a uh, start one of the generators where the bar can be a different color if you've been uh, if there's a certain effect going on but there again if you have this certain type of color blindness it's just going to that's you're not going to be able to tell the difference yeah that's that's the thing and that's it's yeah it's it's a problem and and there but there there is a reason why it's pretty common to use red and green like when you get into the sort of pigment colors like red is opposite of green on the color wheel so it's kind of as far as you can go from it if you're looking from a pug- pigment perspective yeah. but when you're talking about a light perspective it's not they are there's similarities in there to where, yeah, if you have certain types of color blindness, you aren't going to be able to tell that. We'll take it real macro for a second. When it comes to life, there's only three colors. Yeah. What, red, green, and blue? Yeah. Yeah, RGB, yeah. And all colors you see are technically just variants and mixes of those. Yep. So, but I think that's good that they are now getting around to it. It's going to... That to try to yeah figure out a way to you know have things like I mean even things like the scratch marks having those 
be more visible to somebody who might have trouble with seeing red. So, yeah. Or, and, you know, otherwise it might blend too much in the background. Same thing goes for occasionally anything that's highlighted is often in different colors depending on what's going on. So, in any case, yeah, and, I think it's good that they're, they're, they are finally rolling that in. And I, I guess, because like... It's, it's so necessary. Well, the colors are so necessary to the gameplay. That's why it's such a big deal. Well, and you're what I'm trying have, to get to. We haven't talked about the actual news story of this. Like, it's awesome yeah. this is happening, and this is a big fan base for this game. It's been a requested <laughs> thing. This is a little bit reactionary to the fact the studio has not been great about addressing this request a lot in the future, or in the past, I mean. And mm-hmm. there was a bit of an incident as of late with one of the devs kind of essentially bitching about how all the fans keep asking for a colorblind mode. That didn't go over great. As it shouldn't have. It, basically, the stance was like, it's so boring hearing about requests for colorblind modes. Like, we get it, you want one. It's like, the fucking maybe listen to your fans a little bit? Yeah. We'll see how that one plays out for him in the grand scheme of things. Eh, where to go from here? Want to talk about Nintendo real quick? A very, uh, I guess, uh, to use a term that actually they used in the article, a prolific artist for Nintendo has officially retired, worked at Nintendo for 32 years, and most notably worked on franchises including F-Zero, Star Fox, and even worked on Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, designing characters, both designing and modeling the characters in 3D. You know, the good Nintendo stuff. (laughs) Or so the good modern Nintendo stuff? Eh. Yeah, uh, apparently he's also the reason why certain Star Fox characters resemble people that, major kind of people that work at Nintendo, including Shigeru Miyamoto and uh, Tsuyoshi Watanabe. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty storied career. So, yeah, but retiring, so... Yeah, I mean, he's retiring after a pretty, pretty awesome body of work. I do fear that him retiring is indication that we're never going to get another F-Zero game ever. Alright, this isn't quite Sega news. We do have a Sonic-adjacent thing, I guess. Um, uh, Balan? Balan? Wonderland? Balan, Wonderworld? Yeah, Balan Wonderworld. That's uh, an upcoming game from the creator of Sonic and Knights. It's getting a demo in a couple days when this goes up. Uh, January 28th, it'll be a two-player co-op dealie, so yeah, go check it out if that's, uh, if that's your thing. This is the hat game, right? Yeah. Sort of, yeah. The Well, there's a character that basically has a hat for it. Yes, that's what I meant. Sorry, more I less. more specific. Yeah. The hat game would be more like that Mario game. Yeah, or- Odyssey. You're absolutely right. All right, so last but not least, we have... Oh, we're not know which time. We've got two more. My, three more. My bad, my bad. Let's talk about some money for a second. Uh, Tencent buys majority stake in Klee? Klee? Klee, I assume? I don't know, yeah. actually. The studio behind Don't Starve. Tencent uh, continuing to just snap up properties right and left. So. It's Pac-Man impression. And I am a 
I I like Don't Starve. Yeah. I have Don't Starve together, and I enjoy that every so often. I get I still get stuck a lot on day thirty when the giant ice monster comes to just stomp the shit out of your camp. I'm not sure what the hell to do about it. Build a second but, camp. Well, yeah, but <laughs> you tried burying your camp. Yeah, but yeah. in any case, yeah. But kind of on the and the same vein of that, we got some. I don't think I've ever said this sentence before. Valve slash Capcom slash Bethesda news. Uh, they were. Is it each or in total? Find nine point five. I couldn't quite figure this one out. A total of nine point five million. Yeah, nine point so five million for geo blocking PC games. Not familiar what this term means. Well, it's. Uh, a little bit nuanced, right. but also not. Yeah, yeah. So, so essentially, it's about cross-border sales. So, for those that aren't aware, the European Economic Area is a and EU, which the EEA and EU are slightly different, but cover a lot of the same stuff. Like uh, Switzerland's not a part of the EU, but is part of the EEA. But in any case, under though, if you agree to do business in this area, you kind of have to do equal business among all of them. So, oh, and it's considered a part of the benefits of a of the EU digital single market, so that people can shop around and find the best kind of deal within the EU. Otherwise, it breaks their. Yeah, the digital single market and the antitrust and anti-competition ideas and and laws. So, yeah, those are sanctions, and they got fined. Now, of course, for most of these companies, it's kind of a, you know, it's not exactly taking away a huge amount from them, considering the amount. I mean, it's Bandai, Namco, Capcom, Focus Home, Cock Media, and ZeniMax. Which is which owns Bethesda, as well as Steam or Valve. Yeah, they were each fined one point six million dollars or one point six million euros. Sorry. And yeah, it's it's because yeah, if you agree to do business in the in this area, you have to abide by their standards, and those companies just refused. I think geo blocking is absolute horseshit in general. And, but, yeah, uh, yeah, this was a fair ruling. It's like, you clearly broke these rules and regulations. Last but not least on our money-grubbing train, our money-related corner, I guess, of these things, is, I think, one of my favorite dumb news articles in a little while. So you had the, it's a pretty simple one. Xbox Live was going to get more expensive. And it didn't, because people were outraged about this. And I think they're fair to be outraged about that. Yeah, they were they were going to not just raise it, double it. Yeah. Like, literally double the cost of a subscription. As someone oh. who continues to believe that, like, okay, yeah, I the best version of this pay-for-online stuff was back on the PS3, like, 
where it was, you're not paying for the online, you're paying for slightly better online, but mostly you're paying for, hey, here's some incentives to stay on our platform. Like, I, I'm all for that approach, where anyone can play online at the end of the day. That's not what Xbox Live has ever been. It's definitely not what it is now. Like, even the PS4, which I think is fine, but not great. I find it a little scummy these days. Station Plus deal. A deal. <laughs> so we're good about being on that one as opposed to the Xbox One. It sits back down at normal price. People were pissed off about this appropriately. And also, like, to just, you know, make it clear, like, video game companies have not really been hurting that much during the pandemic. Yeah. Because, you know, people are putting money that may they might have otherwise spent on other things that they do, you know, outdoors, you know, or just in general, like, outside of the house. They're spending some of that on games, if not a lot of that on games. And most game companies have been presenting, like, not much in losses, and in some cases... Record fucking profits. So, yeah, and Microsoft, not exactly fucking hurting for money. Like, there there wasn't a good reason to do that other than just complete what if we could? greed. Yeah, what if we could? Yeah. Let's see what people feel about this. I'm glad that there is enough pushback on it to where they're like, oh, okay, maybe we don't need to do that thing. Because it's not like Microsoft, there again, is hurting for money. They're having record sales. I mean, Xbox and with a new console out. So, yeah, I think that's just... (sighs) Companies that are making record profits shouldn't be thinking about, oh, well, we need to charge people more and slim down. No, maybe you should just, like, keep doing what you're doing. And, like, not not screwing people completely. It's Yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of gross to me that companies that are doing really well are like, let's just gouge people. Yeah, let's like, just fucking gouge so people. This was so weird. I thought it was going to get revealed that, like, oh, yeah, we fucked up. Like, an update happened. It bumped us. It shouldn't have kind of thing. No, it seemed to be very intentional. And, like, yeah, we were going to see if we get away with this. Like, this was so out of left field. There was no telegraphing on it whatsoever that I fully expected to hear, yeah. like, in a couple of days. Oh yeah, sorry about that. Uh, mistake on the Microsoft store. Our bad. Have a free game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No. No. And not like yeah, we've heard you. We'll turn it back. I'm like, oh shit, this was real. Fuck. That's a bad look, Microsoft, with your new fancy console that's already losing the PS5. Have yep. you been keeping track of that? Not really, because yeah, I don't. I, apparently, I'm not like buy either one. some of the bullshit that stuck to the Xbox. The Expo, and for its entire existence, even after it was no longer true, has transferred to the Xbox Series X. And people are like, yeah, you can't can't use use games on that thing still. They're like, we've never had this on this console. What the fuck? (laughs) That's now probably Microsoft's brand. I guess guess that lead Sony had going into the next-gen console, like, everything I've seen has kind of implied that, yeah, maybe the Xbox X is better technically but people don't give a rat's ass because everyone moved to sony <laughs> and they've yeah. like i've said several times they've done a really good job of undercutting their whole market by being like what if we just put everything on microsoft onto the pc and you'll be going cool don't have to buy an xbox then neat same <laughs> i like that gears of war not enough to buy an xbox though 
Yeah, like and that. I'm kind of glad. So far, I haven't seen any. I've seen very few exclusives for any of the consoles that make me just think, no, I have to buy a console. I'd say Nintendo, the Switch is probably the closest to making me want to buy it because there's an awful lot of stuff that is definitely only ever going to be on the Switch. When so. I like my Switch, I like my Switch. The issue is there's like a four-month gap between me liking my Switch and next time I like my Switch again. It's... <laughs> I, I also think that they should just sell that grip I bought for it as like a pack-in for that goddamn console. I I played it recently for Monster Hunter without my fancy little like grippy thing on it. I'm like, right, this is a terrible console to hold normally. Totally forgot about this in my absence from playing it last. I, it is so bad. You have me kind of sitting here being like, okay, we have that new Switch coming in the next year or two, whatever. I wonder if they finally just fixed that on that, and I hate this thing enough, you could potentially, like, if it is indeed a boost, and I can justify, like, okay, I could carry less shit when I travel as a result of this, you could maybe get me to upgrade to that thing if you were just like, hey, we put the buttons in the way we had the Wii U, and part of me would hurt that the Wii U is a better console than the Switch in that regard, but also... Anytime there's anything that makes me nostalgic for the Wii U, you fucked up, and that's the grip on the on the Switch. My big meaty hands are like, yeah, no, the the Wii U was fine. This bullshit is terrible. I I I might even stream a bit today. Well, of course, people probably won't get this necessarily get this today, but uh, I'm yeah. probably going to stream a little bit this week. And I'll check the archives. So, and that will be on. Well, I am Kraken Zero, that's spelled Z-E-R Zero, on Twitch. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as the same. And if I am going live, I will usually be posting it on either of those. I've been running some some Awesome Knot streams. I've run some Maker streams. I've run some Classic Game streams. If you want to see that, check it out. Also, I have been helping out with another stream, a wrestling stream. Uh, the school I went to, the wrestling school I went to, Knox Pro, has been running some sort of test runs with uh, live wrestling that's with incentives that actually affect the match. That is, one thing that's going right now is bits to unlock weapons during the match, including a stop sign and a kendo stick. So there's it's I live like interactive that. wrestling. Like and that's what's the most ridiculous thing you can unlock as part of that wrestling match? So far that's that's oh. that's what's being unlocked right now, those two things. Because if I could unlock a gun, you'd have my attention. But they're trying to yeah, kind of play around the idea that Twitch is just a more interactive platform than other platforms. And there are ways of interacting with chat and chat to interact with what's going on on screen. And they want to try to utilize that. And I've been kind of brought back in as sort of a advisor on that to help them implement more things into their Twitch stream, make their Twitch stream just better in general. And I know a lot about how to run a successful Twitch stream, even though my own isn't that successful, mainly because I have no desire to to stream full-time as a job, or like even part-time as a job. I just kind of stream whenever I feel like it. But I know what it takes to have a have a successful stream. And the type of kind of 
quality of life things that help out, things that just make the stream look a little better, things that are ways to automate that every, that a lot of major streamers have been using. So, but yeah, if you want to check that out, that's on Knox Pro's Twitch, and that is K-N-O-K-X. That's how you spell that, Knox, K-N-O-K-X Pro. And that's their channel. And yeah, that's Tuesday, every Tuesday you can catch that. They are trying to add more programming as well. Uh, Rikishi has been doing a regular regular sort of interview thing where he interviews and kind of tells stories with other kind of, well, uh, people from many different, like he's brought in a lot of uh, sports athletes more recently. And he, it's been called, it's called the Rikishi Driver Show. And so you can also catch that on Twitch. He also runs it off of Facebook. But in any case, these are, they're, they're trying to come out with more shows and kind of have a regular thing. And especially now during a pandemic, give people something to watch, like wrestling that they can watch and actually have a hand and actively take part in the match, at least have a, have effects on the match. And they are exploring more ways of it being more interactive. So, yeah, you can also check that out. So that bit thing is cool. I like the idea behind it. Yeah. Let me know when I can give bits and have one of them pull out a gun. That's my favorite thing <laughs> of wrestling. Well, they uh pulled out water guns and went and that was that was that was jokes. That was that was pretty hysterical because there was a gimmick a bunch of years back where it was it was a Japanese match, of course it was the ones doing good wrestling at this point. Where like a guy like as his signature pulled a gun out of his waistband, just like did a stick up in the middle of the ring. I'm like, okay, oh yeah, this is funny one time, and that's great. But I love that this exists out there. But yeah, in a previous match, like Docs Pro, they they unlocked water guns, and so they did things like, for example, spray a, a section of the ring and make it slippery. Yeah. Nah, shenanigans. <laughs> I, I want a guy to rob another guy in the ring in front of a bunch of cameras and like run off with his wallet or something. That's what I want the gun part to be. Just like the true version of wrestling. It's like, God, oh, this has been a long interlude to me robbing your ass. <laughs> I don't know. Wrestling's best when it's silly. Yeah. And a little bit nonsensical. I think that does it for this week's episode. Um, Thank you for listening. Uh kind of getting back into doing this because we're doing this more again, I guess. I, if you feel so inclined, if you'd like to thumbs up us or rate us or whatever the right phrase is on your preferred platform of listening, we are deeply appreciative for that. It actually makes a huge difference. I've been going back through and trying to encourage that to happen and doing it myself for us, other stuff. And yeah, it, it does boost our, meta, our kind of metrics sum and our visibility, if you will. It turns out a lot of, po- uh, a lot of podcasts out there no reviews, you get lumped together. Even one review makes a shockingly big difference in how visible you are, kind of, amongst the mess of things. So, like, it's weird. Even a one-star review out of five is better than no reviews whatsoever. Because it's like, hey, you just have one listener that's engaging enough to do that. And I was not kind of prepared to see that kind of thing happen in real time. But yes, if you feel so obliged to do that, go do that. Uh, me and Alex have some bullshit cooking up that might show up this week, but I don't think it's going to show up till next week, actually, just based on my availability to edit things. But uh, we, I'll probably throw the first episode of that in our SW and the Wicked Awesome cast feed when it shows up, just because we can, but also you can go find it if 
not if you're if you're into it, we'll be doing more of it. Uh, we got it's something we've talked about. It shouldn't be a surprise. I'm being cagey right now about it because it's more fun to be non-committal until they're actually up there and running. Do the metal. Yeah.